Day to everyone out there. Um, I think Mother's Day, Mother's Day is uh, sometimes bittersweet. Um, and with, with Mother's Day, it can be of great joy. It can be of great uh, rejoicing that uh, for the mothers. But unfortunately, it also could be of great grief. Uh, whether you have a severed relationship with your mom, whether your mom is no longer with us, or even on the other end, whether you desire uh, to be a mom and, and that has not happened yet, or even if you, you've lost a child, um, this is a, a day of great joy, but also of great grief. And I, I pray that today that as we, we look at the word and we look at God's character, that we can, we can see and we can rejoice that God truly is the perfect mom. Uh, my, my point this morning is that we have a, a gracious God, that we have a God that, that, that gives grace and mercy to us. Um, that is some imagery of what we'll be reading this morning, a hen gathering her chicks. Uh, but when I, when, I think of, when I think of God, I just imagine this like as he's creating moms, right? As he's creating moms, he, he's this, this amazing chef. And he has this giant bowl. And he's like, you know what? What could make the perfect mom? Well, I'm going to take three cups of compassion. Jump that in there. Uh, five cups of just unconditional love. I mean, like loving no matter what. And then a gallon of just selflessness. Like just pour it on thick. Selfless, selfless, selfless. And then I, I just imagine... Uh, God reaching for the courage and the, and the compassion, and he accidentally hits a little bit of the, the anxiety and worry, and it just falls in there, and, and then you just mix it all up, and you got this, this amazing mom who just unconditionally loves her kids, uh, and I, I just imagine that is the perfect mom. In Genesis 1, starting in verse 26, uh, it says, God said, let let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And I think as a motherly figure, it tends to be the greatest uh, characteristics of God. This unconditional love, these godly qualities, this compassion, this selflessness. And I think we can, we can all agree, right? We can all agree that these are some of the, the greatest gifts a mom can show or it can have is, is love and grace. And likewise, God, truly, we find very valuable and important that God loves us and that God shows us immense grace. Because God himself is love and grace is his way of life. So this morning, as, as we talk about God, as we talk about his love and his grace, I pray that we can just sit and bask in the love and grace that God so willingly gives us. So uh, if you guys can turn over to Matthew 23, we'll be reading in verse 37. As you're turning there, I want to ask you a question. How do you view God? How do you view God the creator? Is he just an old man in the sky? Is he distant? Is he uninvolved? Maybe somewhat laughing at our suffering? How, how, do, you, how do you view this almighty God that we have? It's 11 o'clock by the clock over there. Um, 
In Matthew 23, starting in verse 37, the Bible reads, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you, gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. From, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we'll stop there. My point is, we have a gracious God. As we, this, this passage that we just read falls at the very end of Matthew 23. And Matthew 23 is one of the, the scriptures where God, or Jesus just puts the Pharisees and the teachers of the law on blast. He calls them uh, hypocrites, whitewashed tombs, unmarked graves, being clean on the outside, but dead on the inside. I think this, this, this whole chapter of Matthew 23 ends with what we just read. And we see that, that God doesn't just want our actions, right? He doesn't want us to just go to church. He doesn't want us to just uh, play Christian but he wants our hearts as well. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you. This is calling for Jerusalem because he wants to gather the children. Unfortunately, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. And even, even the prophets talking even about himself, right? That Jesus is a prophet. He's going to be killed. And then you see Steph, Stephen and Acts, he's also going to be killed. And, and even the, the apostles themselves, he's calling them exactly what they are. They're, they're murdering God's messengers. But we see the heart of God here. Like a mother hen wants to gather her chicks, God wants to gather his children. No matter their past, no matter their present, no matter even what's going to happen in their future, like God wants to gather them and bring them into a warm embrace, comforting them as a hen comforts her chicks. There's a, there's a Renaissance artist or a Renaissance writer, Eusley's Eldavani describes, at the first sign of a predator, mother hens will immediately gather their chicks under the shadow of their wings. And with this, covering they put up such a fierce defense striking fear into their opponent in the midst of a frightful clamor using both wings and beak they will rather die for their chicks than seek safety in flight similarly in collecting food the mother hen allows her chicks to eat their fill before satisfying her own hunger Thus he said, mother hens present in every way a noble example of love for their offspring. And that's just a, an amazing picture and imagery of what God wants to do, right? Or that God does, that he wants so longing to gather his children, so longing to gather them. And when he has them, he will do anything for them, protecting them. The idea that the, a hen will gather her chicks at night with her wings to keep them warm and to protect them from any type of danger. 
This is an amazing and accurate picture of how God wants to treat us. So longing that he wants us to seek comfort and seek reliance on him. He wants to protect us. He doesn't want us to, to be in pain or be in, 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 in need. But God wants to see us close to him. God wants us to be exactly where he is. But every chick or every person, every child has a responsibility and a decision to make. Are they going to seek the, the, the hen? Are they going to go into the wings or into the refuge that, that God provides? And that's a decision you have to make. Am I going to deliberately choose to go to safety in God? And I, I think even thinking through that, why wouldn't somebody want that? Why wouldn't somebody want that refuge with God. I think a lot of times it's our, our independence, right? I don't want nobody to watch my back. I can handle me. I can do it by myself. Or even just like, even just the self-focus of being in God, like the, the thought of being in God's arms or being in his wings limits my ability to focus on myself, to focus on what I want versus what is best for the, the, the whole flock. Or maybe it's just not even knowing. Maybe I choose not to go into his arms because I just don't know. Or maybe I don't believe of what he's truly offering me. Maybe I've never seen a true biblical loving God that truly loves me without limits, but I just see it as He's just going to put rules on me. But that's not who we serve, right? That's not who we, we truly serve. We serve a God that who, is, who is gracious and willing to accept us as we are. What stops you right now? Think about soberly look at yourself. What stops at you from relying on God? Think about it. What stops us? Is it our pride? Is it fear of rejection or embarrassment? Is it fear that you, God's not truly going to take care of me? I need, to, I need to take it on myself because I don't trust that God truly has the best interest for me or that he's going to come through on what he says. I think we have to tackle those tough, those tough questions, even in our lives, like, how am I personally not running to God for my refuge? How am I taking it on and trying to protect my own self? Because the God we serve, the God we serve is a protector. He protects us. Accepting all of his children under his wings. Like God wants that. No matter the situation, he wants you to run to him. God's heart is not distant. God doesn't want just you to seek after him, but he's actually seeking after a relationship with you. God is greater than all the situations that you can think of, and he's willing to be gracious and merciful to wherever you're at. Unconditional love 
is the is a concept because God is who he is. Hey, think about that. Like unconditional love doesn't make sense in a worldly sense. It's only because God is who he is that we can understand unconditional love. Jesus sent or sorry, God sending Jesus to the cross in a, a possibility that you would want to seek after him is intense, but also it's unconditional, right? You have a decision to make and God was willing to sacrifice his son, even if you didn't make that decision. I pray that as, as you're sitting here, that you can see this love, that you can see this compassion and the grace that God gives us. And I pray that that can compel you. That can compel you, just as 2 Corinthians 5 says, that Christ's love compels us, that we can seek after him and seek refuge in Jesus. If you're here this morning and, and you're not a follower of Christ, and you're not, or maybe you're not doing it wholeheartedly, I want you to know that God is seeking a relationship with you. No matter your issues, no matter your situation, he will meet you with where you're at because God is a God of grace and mercy, that he wants that relationship with you. And if you're here and you're a disciple of Jesus, you have grace too. You are not called to perfection, but you're called to repentance, right? In Romans 8, 1, it says that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, no matter what you're going through. Like God died for you. Jesus went to the cross so you could be set free from your sins. You have forgiveness. You have liberation from what so easily entangles you. You have been forgiven. Sometimes I think when we take communion, we can focus on the, the somber, like, woe is me, kind of, these are my sins. But I think just as like, the woman searched for her coin and she found it. She wasn't sad that she lost it. She rejoiced that she found it. And I pray that as we take communion this morning, that we can be rejoicing. Like, you know what? God did this. We have a God that is willing to sacrifice his son so that we can have our sins forgiven. I pray that as we take communion this morning, that we can rejoice, that we can, we can be glad that God did what he did so he could have a relationship with us. So even as, as we pray, let us pray and rejoice. Let us pray. And even as we sing our last song, let us let's rejoice that we have a God that is willing to meet us where we're at and that he is gracious and merciful. So please pray with me. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in, and see you next time.